You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Hello, Loop Loop family. How y'all doing today and our online community? Uh, It's just great to be here. I'm Leon Brooks and my family and I, I think we have a picture of our family. We get to serve at the downtown campus. So we're enjoying ourselves. God is doing amazing work, and we're uh, happy just to be here with you on this morning. We will continue. We will close out the faith series uh, in the book of Romans. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. When I was younger, who in here has young kids, young children, or grandchildren, or you want to have, get married and have children, right? Um, when I was, me and my wife just celebrated 21 years, but when we were, we made about six years, we had three kids, and they, we had three kids in three years. Yeah, I'm still recovering from that, right? Three, ki- three kids, we had a three-year-old, and I had a one-year-old, about to be two, and we had a seven-day-old son, and we had all kind of issues. My oldest daughter had a peanut allergy just months before she was rushed to the emergency room because she had a peanut exposure. And they both, my both, my daughters had asthma. My son is seven days old. So we had all these medical bills because you go to the hospital. So I'm like, oh, we'll take care of that. So when the, the kid, when they came home, my, my son came home, I was like, I can relax now. So I'm out in the back. I'm mowing the lawn and I'm mowing the lawn. My wife comes to the door. She says, Leon, I'm seeing spots. I'm like, that's not good. What's wrong? So she sits down and she's woozy and we take her blood pressure about 181 over 111. So I'm like, oh, so I'm looking at my, my, I'm like three, I got kids. I'm like, oh, I have to get her to the emergency room. So I pack all the kids up when we go to the emergency room and I'm in the emergency room and they're working on in the back and one of my kids like snack, snack, because you know snacks are important, right? <laughs> snacks, so I'm like, okay. Well, and then they're, they're working on my wife and I don't know how this is going to plan out. And, I, and I'm like that and I'm crying like a baby and I'm like, what's going on? And then I see the nurses huddle up. Remember I got bills due, right? So they huddle up and they're looking. They say, oh, we got another one, we say. And they were looking at me and I was like, please don't come to me talking about bills right now. My wife is in the back. And so I am vulnerable. I feel like a weakling because my wife is in the back and kids are in here. And I I felt like everything was out of control and I felt helpless. And that's how the Bible describes us as helpless, in need of help. And that's what we're going to look at. That's what the scriptures, and that's how the scriptures describe us apart from Christ, that we are helpless and in need of him. And then I didn't get peace, the peace that I needed, until I said these words. I was like, help me, Lord, help me. And that's what God wants to do for us today who don't know him. And you may have, may have come in here and you don't know the Lord or you may be joining us online and you've never met the Lord and you feel helpless and incomplete. God wants to come into your life and change you and meet you right where you are. This is what Romans chapter 5 verse 6 
through 11 says, for when, and I'm reading for the New, New King James Version, the New King James Version, but uh, you will, you will uh, get, get application even from the translation that you're reading. So he says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. And that great verse in verse 8 but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse nine, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, or NIV says how much more, shall Shall having, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we, we not have now received the reconciliation. So it starts out in verse 6. He says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus died for the weak and the ungodly. That's important. He died for the weak. That is the helpless, in your helpless condition, he died for that person. For the ungodly, the one who was not even thinking about God, he came for those people. He says, for the weak and the ungodly. But look at verse 7, for scarcely, and I love this verse because he really, when you read this from the Apostle Paul, what he really does, he really makes us put ourselves in that position. We start saying, would I do that? You ever do that? You know, you ever see a show and you say, would I, would I do that for him? Would, would I do that for her? And, and when you read this, he says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. So the question is, would someone die for a righteous person or a good person? Would someone die for a righteous person or a good person? Answer is probably not. Because we're talking about life on life. We're talking about, would I really give my life up for this type of person? Well, he says, well, probably for a righteous person, the person who is in right standing with God. Yeah, I yeah, hardly, you know, I hardly or barely would die for that person. Or for the good person, it's these two stages, those two groups of people, the righteous person or the good person. So for the good person, that is the person that is beneficial. I mean, they're, they're not the righteous person, but they're a good citizen. He says, for that person, maybe. So who would you say, hey, 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 y'all run. I'm going to hold him off. Who would you give your life? And we start thinking about these people, but I'm going to tell you the verse in verse eight. I know someone, I know uh, the type of person that most of us, if, if anyone in here would say, oh, absolutely not. Think about the worst person that you, the person that has committed the worst crime that you could ever commit. Just think about it. We can go name by name by name. And the question is, will you give your life for that kind of person? Well, he says in verse, in verse 8, he goes on, he says, but God, listen to this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, that's a beautiful picture. 
See, Jesus does something that nobody else in the world would even think to die, would think to die for a sinner. Jesus dies for the sinner. Who would even die? Who would say, I'll, t- I'll give my life over for that person? Jesus is like, I will. I will give my life. And look, I'm not just going to say, he says that he demonstrates this. That means he makes it known by action that he gives his life for sinners. And so we don't have to, we look at this, we don't have to clean our lives up and then come to Christ. Oh, let me get my, some things together, then I'll come to church. Let me get all these things together, then I will get involved in the church. No, no, God is saying, I want you to come just as you are. And the beautiful thing about the gospel, and when you walk with Jesus, that's why we come to church. That's why we're involved, involved in things like Life Bible Study. Because when we grow, God starts to grow us from the inside out, and then he starts to make us into the people that he created us to be. And it's a beautiful thing. We call it a big word, sanctification where God starts to grow us more in the character of Christ. And then we're amazed. We're like, wow, I can't believe God would free me up from that. I can't believe God would do that in my life. And that's why we continue to walk with him, because he continues to grow us into the people that he created us to be. It's a beautiful picture. So you don't have to get yourself cleaned up and then come to Christ. We come to Christ just as we are, and he cleans us up from the inside out. Let me make a, uh, give you an illustration. So this, I have right here, Oreo cookie, right there. I have it covered up because I didn't want it to get stale. So I have Oreo cookie. Now these go great. I'm here to tell you, they go great with, with homemade bluebell vanilla ice cream. Anybody have some? Anybody got some? Oh, they, they, they are marvelous together. Nothing like cookies and cream. I'm talking about homemade vanilla with Oreos crushed up in it. Amazing. So there's some debate on whether that's dryers and all that. Well, we'll get into that later. But next time you go to the dentist, I want you to do this. I want you to take an Oreo cookie and I want you to... Take the Oreo cookie. I'm giving me a little water. Excuse me one minute. Take the Oreo cookies when you go and eat you about six of those <laughs> before you go to the dentist. But most of us don't do that, correct? I recently had a dentist appointment and two weeks before they were like, Leon, you want some cake? No. Skittles? No. I'm flossing, I'm boom, 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 boom. You flossing because what's the number one question they're gonna ask you? Have you been flossing? Yes, I have. <laughs> they didn't ask for the last five days I've been flossing, right? So what we do is we do the pre-clean. We, do, we, we, get, we get ourselves ready before we go to the dentist. And Christ is saying, no, 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 no. I want you to come Oreo cookies all in your mouth because I want to let you know the things that I want to clean up so you don't have to get yourself cleaned up to come to Christ. All you have to do is come with the Oreos in your mouth. And then he starts pointing out, and this is the, and one, one, one guy I used to listen to all the time, he says, 
God's love is not a is not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love. God's love is not a, hey, you're so great. Everything about you is so great. No, no, no. When you start walking with the Lord, he starts showing you your heart. He starts showing you the places in your heart, look, that nobody else knows about. He starts saying, yeah, you got some pride in your life or you have some lust in your life. You got some things in your life and I want to clean those things up. So we come to him and we invite the open heart surgery to the Lord. Fix me. But we come with that, that kind of heart that I am helpless. I am needy and I am in need of transformation. He says that, but God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is really nothing new. This is what Jesus does. This is who he is. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they grabbed Jesus up and they arrested Jesus, what did they do? In, in Matthew chapter 27, Verses 15 through 26, we won't read the whole thing, but look at what he said. It says now, verse 15, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing uh, to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. Verse 16, and at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. And so therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who was called the Christ, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Then if you read down further in verse 22, he says, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. So what did he do? Jesus did the unthinkable. And he took the place of a notorious prisoner, Barabbas. He says, look, look, no man takes my life. I freely lay it down. So he freely became the substitute for Barabbas. And he's continuing to be substitutes for Barabbas's throughout mankind. He, he takes the place of sinners. That's what Jesus does. So this is nothing new when we read it. Uh, in Romans, Jesus takes the place of sinners. But he goes on in verse 9. He says, uh, uh, much more, or how much more, then having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to, to God through the death of his son, much more, how much more? Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have, we have now received the reconciliation. There's a reconciliation that has occurred. And so the result is reconciliation with the Father through the Son. There is this reconciliation with the Father through the son, and, and we don't have to get ourselves together. He comes to us. And, and John chapter 14, verse 6 says that Jesus is the only way. Uh, no, there's a, no, 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 I was talking to someone. They say, look, oh, yeah, we, we already know all, all roads lead to heaven. All, no, no, they're not the same. 
Jesus makes the claim that he is the only way to get to the Father, the only passageway to get to a holy God. He is the only way. And so we see here, it says, how much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved uh, by his, his life in, in verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. There's this reconciliation that has occurred, uh, and he has reconciled us to himself. But the word says in verse 11 that we rejoice, that we, we make our boast. It means to have this, this supreme confidence in what he says is true, and we rejoice in that. I grew up in a, in a very traditional small Baptist church, not far from here. And in, in my church, I was in the church since I was five years old, all the way until I was an adult. And we were in this church, and I'm a kid, and I'm very observant. So I would see, and people, they would get happy back then. They get happy. And then the musician would accommodate their happiness and play some chords, and they would move a little bit, and they would show how much they wanted to rejoice in the Lord. And we knew it on cue. We already knew. I could close my eyes and say, oh, I know who that is. That's Sister Lee. I know how she shouts. I know how she rejoices and praise the Lord. And, oh, I know that's her. Every time when that song played, you start rejoicing. And when I was younger, because I didn't understand what this meant, I was like, you don't take all that. Come on now, can't nobody be that happy. I mean, honestly, it's pretty bored in here. I don't understand how y'all are rejoicing or happy about what's going on. I'm like, I'm ready to go watch some wrestling. <laughs> but now I know they were rejoicing in who he, who he is and what he had done. They were rejoicing. And look, they were like, we have such, such confidence. We want to praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done. They rejoiced in being reconciled and connected to the Father because they understood that their sins had separated them from God. And they understood the price that was paid. If you look at these scriptures, it said that, that, that now we're saved from his wrath. That means that God has to deal with sin in everybody's life. He has to deal with everybody's sin. He has to deal with it. And so Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for our sins. Look, look, the, the penalty that we should have incurred, Jesus paid it on our behalf. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you, and you didn't even know and then somebody pulled out the, pulled out the car and they said, I got you. Oh, my goodness, you got me. If I'd have known that, I would have ordered something more. <laughs> Can I order it now? Can I get dessert? Such gratitude. Behind a bill, look, 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 Jesus is saying, look, I want to pay your bill. Look, that nobody else can pay. That I want to pay the, the, the penalty of your sins, look, by, by, by you giving your life to what I did on the cross for you. That's why those ladies and men could praise the Lord and lift their hands and rejoice. Why? Because the enormous amount that was paid for us that day, they rejoiced in it for the reconciliation with the Father. It's a beautiful picture. 
And so then he, he, he changes in, in verses, 12, um, chapter, verses 12 through 21, then he tells us, so now he's talking about Jesus and, and having peace with God and, and how Jesus absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf and how he died for sinners, where we know how we get that sin from, from verses 12 through 21. It's through Adam. It's through Adam. Verse 12, therefore, just as through one man, talking about Adam, Sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus de death spread to all men because all sin. Oh, now we get to see why the world is so bad. Do, do you see the picture? Why? Because no one can escape the spread. No one can escape it. Everyone, everyone was born with this sin problem. Now we understand why, why you struggle the way you struggle with the different sins that you struggle with. Now we understand why when we watch the news, why the news is so bad. Why? Because sin has spread to all mankind. That's why with this message for those who are believers, that's why we give this message to other people because that's mankind's only hope. So right now we're like, who can I share this truth with? Who can I tell about this reconciliation? May God put a list in your head so that you can say, I need to share Christ with this person. Is that some people that God is putting in your head right now? If you're watching online, is there, have you gotten, have you received this reconciliation? Is there someone else in your life that needs this reconciliation? There are spiritual conversations that needs to continue to happen through text message, through social media, face to face, setting up lunch appointments, whatever needs to happen. Because why? Because sin has spread throughout all mankind. And so he wants to use us as instruments for him. But I want to call your attention just to one phrase, just one phrase in, 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 verses, in verses in this whole section. It is the much more or how much more phrases that he uses. In verse 9, he says, uh, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, God wants to do much more. He wants to do much more. Can someone just say much more? Can somebody say just much more? God wants to do much more in our lives. Verse 10, much more for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more or much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He takes us from enemies to being his children. Do y'all see that? It's the same thing that happened to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. Look, he was on his way to, to, to get believers, bound them into prison just for walking with Jesus. But God meets him on the Damascus road and he takes him from being an enemy to children. So, so that, that makes us know yeah, there are some people in our lives. Have you ever thought this before? Nah, they don't, they don't want Jesus. Or they are beyond saving. No, no, no. He took a guy like Saul in Acts 9 and he changed him from an enemy to his child and his representative, his apostle. How much more would God is going to do? He, he changes us and he takes us from enemies to children. Verse 15, how much more? But the free gift is not like the, off, the offense. Uh, for if by the one man's offense, many died. Much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace 
of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. It's that amazing grace. Then in verse 17, much more, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in, the li- in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Uh, grace there, it means to show kindness to someone with the implication of graciousness on the part of the one showing such kindness. It highlights the Lord's grace towards us. And what do we do? As a result, we share this message with others who don't know him because we want to see the same thing happen in our lives to happen to others' lives. It, 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 it highlights uh, grace. And when I'm looking through this, really the scriptures in God, he has the answers to the most to the most, um, um, the most, the issues, the biggest issues in life, the scriptures address it. Death will be with him when we die. Oh, what about hell? What about hell? No, no. We will be in heaven with him uh, when we die. It's the biggest thing. Sin, God, what are you going to do about sin? I'm going to send Jesus. That's for the penalty, the penalty of sin. Look, the power of sin and one day glorification, we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. That's what he does. He deals with every issue, any issue you can think of, he deals with it. But when you look at this, what happens is the enemy, what the enemy does and what sin does, it it tries to get us to doubt God's goodness. It tries to get us to doubt how good God is. It's the same thing that happened in the garden. Did God say? There, there's something um, in, in this culture that, that, that makes us feel like God don't know what he's talking about. I make the rules for my life. Yeah, that, 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 that was good for my grandmother, but that doesn't work for me. God says, I'm, a, I'm the same God. I'm the same God. And he's saying, look, 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 I want to do great things in your life, but there's something about it that makes us think, God really doesn't have my best interest at heart. So my mother, my mother, we just celebrated my mother. She turned 70 years old this past week, 70 years old. We threw her a big party, big party. Yeah. Hey, thank y'all. Thank y'all so much for doing that for my mom. I'm going to let her know. I'm going to let her know y'all was clapping for her. All right. Hey, do it again. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right. Man, my mom, single parent, raising us on the east side of Houston. If there are any single parents in here today, hey, praise God for the single parents. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. But she raised us in a rough neighborhood on the east side. I mean, anything you can think of was happening in this neighborhood. I don't want to throw everything out. Be like, they had this, they had that. Just think it was bad, right? It was bad, right? that's, That's all we need to know. But my mom raised us, and man, I, my mom stands about four foot ten, but I'm telling you, back then, she seemed like she was 6'4", 250. <laughs> like, this woman's strong. She wasn't scared of anything. I mean, nobody. She was not, like, after, after service, I'll tell you some stories. I don't have time to tell them now, but she wasn't scared of anybody. And my mom was very strict. You know, you have to be at home before the street, light, street lights come on. All my friends out there playing, they, Alien, you got to go home. I was like, yeah, I know, I know. I, got, I know I got to go home. Yeah, yeah. 
Man, I was like, man, she, she, she mean. Like, she, she doing too much. It don't take all that. And then when I got to high school, no, you can't go hang with this person. No, you can't do this. And man, I thought my mom was the meanest person in the world. And I said, when, I, when I'm 18, anybody ever say that? When I'm 18, I, that, I'm tur- when I turn 18, I'm out of here. That was a lie. I stayed. I stayed. I stayed till I was 20-something years old. Don't kick me out. Don't kick me out. Because we know them bills. Right? I was talking about earlier, them bills going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming. And, and I'm telling you, the more I walk with the Lord and the older I got, you know what I said? Something profound. My mom was right. She was right about the friends. She was right about the dating relationships. She was right for keeping me in the house. She was right, look, about everything. And now I have this heavenly father. He's saying, look, I'm right. And look, the sooner you realize that God is right, and you are wrong, then things will start going the way they need to go. And so now I've adopted that now that he's my heavenly father and whatever the scriptures tells me to do, it's like, God, you're right. You're right and I'm wrong. And so there's this tendency to think, God, he don't want to really do great things in my life. He's trying to hold back some things from me. God wants to do much more. God wants to do much more in your life and in my life. So Jesus did much more for us than we can even imagine. Jesus did more for us than we can even imagine. The catastrophe that happened in the garden. God, how how are you going to fix this? I'm going to give you a preview in Genesis 3.15, but I'm going to send my son to die on a cross for people who didn't even want him, a substitutionary death so that they could be with me forever and I can change their lives the long, as long as they live on planet Earth. This is the message of the gospel. And if you don't know Jesus, your life will be dramatically changed today. And if you do know him, you say, I see the urgency to get this message to other people, to verbally and with my life, how people look at me. Look, this is the way we live our lives. I remember talking to a person, young person, and they said, and I was telling them the gospel, and they said, oh, no, no. God could never save me. Leon, you don't know what I've done. I've done this with tears in their eyes. They say, you don't know what I've done. They confess. They say, you don't know what I've done. I've done too much wrong for God to forgive me. No, he came for sinners, for people who don't know him. He came for us. And so John chapter 3, verse 17 through 18 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. This is why Jesus came. And it's just like the famous song. Who's ever heard the song? You came from heaven to earth to show the way 
From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Jesus. That's what Jesus does. He. <laughs> he comes for people like us that are imperfect, that are helpless, that are in need of saving. He comes for us. So if you've come in here and you don't know him, turn your life over to him today and walk with him. If you have been walking with him, if you do know him and you've walked away, return to him. And he would do much more in your life than you can even imagine. Pray with me. Father, you are too good to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would come to you with the Oreo cookies in our mouth. God, looking at the flaws, the different decisions that we've made. And God, you come in and you start cleaning each part. And when, when you're done, we are amazed at who we are. God, this is what you, this is what you do for us. You want to do much more in our lives. Father, I pray, Lord, for those who don't know you. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can repeat this prayer after me. It's not in the prayer. It's not a magical prayer. But if it's the attitude of your heart, the Lord will save you. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in the quietness of your seat or in the quietness of your home. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and my place. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sins that is only found in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And for those who do know him, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us an urgency, Lord, to walk with you, continue to be salt and light in a wicked world. But God, not for people just to look at us and praise us, but the scriptures say, Lord, that they will see our good works and glorify our Father that's in heaven, the only one that could save and change us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us that urgency with the message that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.